Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Range of the Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast and our clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager here at Range of the Capital. And with me as always is my co-host and the founder of Range of the Capital, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, March 30th, and today we're going to talk all about the upcoming battle for Summer, Re- Summer Redstone's media empire. Uh, that includes CBS and Viacom. And then towards the end, we're going to talk a little bit about how a retirement at the FTC could affect some deals in the market going forward. Uh, so, Chris, why don't I set the stage a bit for the Summer Redstone uh, media empire battle? So we're talking about it today because Viacom is selling what they call a quote-unquote significant minority stake in Paramount Pictures. This is really in the news a lot recently. Uh, Paramount Pictures is the movie studio that's best known for The Godfather and the Mission Impossible series. Coming up this summer, they're going to have Star Trek Beyond and uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sequels. Uh, I don't think those will be on the same caliber as The Godfather, but that's a different story. Uh, Today, we're hearing rumors that 21st Century is among several dozen companies bidding for Paramount, but Paramount's kind of giving them the cold shoulder in an attempt to find a more passive minority partner. Uh, And one of the things this gives us an excuse to talk about is the alternatively wild and depressing Vanity Fair article on March 21st that that was titled Inside the Raging Legal Battle Over Summer Redstone's Final Days. And it included the line, which is one of the funniest lines that you'll ever read, just visualizing the scene ruined my sex life for a couple of weeks. Uh, so with that background out of the way, Chris, who is Summer Redstone and why do we care about him in relation to this? Uh, he's an orange-haired gentleman with lady problems. <laughs> and Chris says that because he won, <laughs> as a joke, orange-haired redhead with uh, lady problems. Donald Trump is the first thing that comes to his mind. So just to explain that. After nine decades, you should just let the hair color do whatever God intended. But uh, he uh, is actually somebody I greatly respect and admire, uh, mm-hmm. besides mocking his hair, uh, and uh, is a great uh, uh, investor and uh, a titan of media. media. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, once was in a building fire. He hung out of a window by one hand as it got increasingly uh, burned. Uh, he, sur- he hung on. Uh, While flames were literally lapping his hands, he hung out the window until the fire department could come get him in the ladder. um, uh, Medical doctors I've spoken with describe that as one of the most painful things. I mean, all the nerves are are still alive uh, and... uh, horrible. He he has a great pain threshold. He has a great uh, survival inclination. Uh, he's made billions of dollars, and uh, there's a lot of claimants to uh, the throne. So he is a 92 year old billionaire. Uh, he is firmly in control of both CBS and Viacom, which are two separately publicly traded companies, mm-hmm. through his ownership of uh, I believe it's National Amusements. Uh, Viacom is the parent company of BT, Paramount, as we mentioned, Nickelodeon, MTV, Comedy Central, CBS owns CBS, which everyone knows, CBS Radio's uh, Showtime. And as he's 92 years old, his health is finally starting to deteriorate. And now the control of his empire is kind of up for grabs. Mm -hmm. And the control is made more complicated. And let's talk a little bit about that. Well, amongst the uh, pretenders to the throne, Viacom's CEO, uh, his daughter, uh, Sherry Redstone, uh, his girlfriends, uh, which... <laughs> Be sure to use the plural. <laughs> uh, and, and everybody has complicated relationships. Yep. So uh, we won't go too far in it. You can read the Vanity Fair article and a lot of the other pieces. But 
Everyone has complicated relationships and is trying to stake claim to a different piece of his mm-hmm. multi-billion dollar fortune. I think one of the takeaways from this is, you know, if you read the Vanity Fair article, it's very clear who's giving them their information and whose side they're on. If you read the New York Post article, it's very clear whose side they're on. If you go read the New York Times article, it's very clear. And, uh, you know, so he's got girlfriends. Vanity Fair paints them as loving girlfriends who only want the best for them. Other people, as you might imagine, they're 40 and 50-year-olds dating 90-year-olds. Other people paint them kind of as gold diggers. So it shows you both in investing and everything, a bunch of different articles spun in a bunch of different ways. You need to be aware of the source. So uh, that's kind of all the different parties that are debating. CBS and Viacom, what happens from here as everyone tries to settle for control? Well, there's a big backlog of deals that probably would have happened but haven't. And so now you get to see not only in 2016 what should happen, but what should have happened for the past several decades in terms of deal making. Yep. So on the CBS side, for example, Les Moonves, who's done a terrific job over there, Mm -hmm. uh, he's pretty firmly solidified his control of CBS. But now he's going to finally be able to get rid of CBS Radio and separate that from the company. Showtime might do some mergers that are necessary. So they can finally do some mergers that have been up in the air for the past couple of years. Viacom is where it's really interesting. They've underperformed for, for years. Almost all the revenues are from cable networks, which are ill-equipped for the, for the future. And Sherry really does not like the Viacom CEO, who many people think is a very bad manager. And she's gearing up for a fight to try to get him removed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So why don't we talk a little bit about how Viacom is going to play out? Well, there are certainly a number of interested parties for Paramount. Mm -hmm. There are probably a number of interested parties for Viacom overall. And one possibility is whether Viacom and CBS would make more sense together than apart. I I think that's been rumored for years, though I think at this point CBS is performing so well. And Viacom, when you think about the future of MTV, Nickelodeon, a lot of these... It's such a question mark that I'm not sure if CBS would really want to dilute themselves with that type of business at this part, at this point. You know, if you think of an MTV, what role is there for it in a world of Apple Music mm-hmm. and YouTube? If you think of Nickelodeon, you know, kids, most for the most part, get all of their shows from uh, Netflix at this point. Mm-hmm. Why do you need a Nickelodeon? Uh, most of these are part of the pay TV bundle. What happens as we go to skinny bundles or people cord cut all together? A lot of questions there that CBS has managed to avoid. Uh, What else could we kind of be looking at here? Well, one interesting aspect of a potential Paramount sale or partial sale is how it will affect management. You had an interesting point. I don't want to stump on your line, but uh, how it will affect management. Yep. Okay, so I'll take that. So Summer Redstone has traditionally had a no key man risk in contracts. And what a key man risk is, let's say I'm a movie star. I've, I've obviously got the booming voice and the great look for mm-hmm. it. I can sign a, a multi- much louder voice than I have, <laughs> as is common to us almost daily. Uh, I can sign a multi-year movie deal with Paramount, and in the contract could be a key man risk that says if the CEO of Paramount is removed, the contract is null and void. Some of Redstone traditionally has not allowed that because it creates huge management entrenchment. By selling a minority stake in Paramount, some people think that Viacom's management team is going to start inserting key man clauses into all of their contracts so that they can further entrench themselves and make removing them basically impossible. Because if you remove them and all the stars can walk, Paramount's worth nothing and you'll never be able to remove them. So that's part of the interesting dynamics here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Chris, 
Uh, Paramount, a couple seconds, a couple more buyers that we've talked about in the past. Uh, any of the big cable companies, mm-hmm. any of the big wireless companies, uh, something will happen here. Yep. Uh, all the big Chinese companies have been rumored. They Netflix might just want to use some of their Netflix as a possibility. So just about every media, telecom, anything company could be involved in the Viacom dismount. If, if you're an investment banker in media and you haven't kind of heard about this, you're not on the DMT. <laughs> yeah. You're, you might want to think about a new career because you're clearly not plugged in. <laughs> Great. So I think that sums it up on CBS Summer Redstone. It's mm-hmm. super interesting. We'll be sure to post a link to the Vanity Fair article when we post this. Uh, Chris, we're going to go to the FTC, but before we get there, a quick request. If you like this podcast, please follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. If you already follow us, please be sure to rate us. It really means a lot to us. We read everyone, and it encourages us to keep going. So, Chris, you have been talking to me a lot today about there's been a recent key retirement at the FTC that you think will it'll happen quietly, I believe, Thursday, but it could have huge implications for deal-making going forward. Why don't you jump in and talk about when it? When you say I've talked to you a lot, I hope that means I'm kind of the caliber of an insight and not the quantity of the verbiage, because I mostly let you work. But that, I, that is true. Uh, Mainly the caliber of the insight, sometimes the quantity of the verbiage. But go ahead. So, um, I just wanted to uh, mention uh, that when you look at D.C. and you look at politics and public policy, uh, personnel is policy. Mm-hmm. The people involved uh, make a big, big difference. You've seen on the Supreme Court with the death of Nino Scalia that it makes a huge difference in what kind of decisions the court uh, comes out with. Already a decision since his death. Uh, with the case of the uh, politicians running for office, the personality and the caliber of the individuals make a huge difference in terms of which direction policy goes. This isn't something that is historically dispositive. It's something where the people involved make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And today uh, come the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, one of the two agencies responsible for antitrust policy. Uh, there are typically five commissioners, including a chairman. Uh, and uh, on Thursday, I believe if I've got my mm-hmm. dates right, right. Yep. the uh, last day of the month and quarter, uh, one of the five is retiring, uh, a, a lady uh, who I like and respect, uh, Julie Brill, uh, who I don't know that listens to this, but I'll keep it uh, uh, <laughs> under the assumption that she does. Um, but she is the one who is most in favor of merger enforcement actions. Uh, specifically, uh, she has done a lot of work and thoughtful work on healthcare and within healthcare on pharmacy benefit managers. Sir, when you say more merge enforcement action, you mean she is against or for consolidation in the industry? She is for enforcing blocking yeah. mergers and acquisitions. So if you have two big healthcare companies that are coming together, she is most likely to fall against the deal. Yes. So what does her retirement mean now that it's there are only four people at the FTC? Well, 2-2 two, two votes can not block deals. In fact, 2-2 two, two votes can't even block deals conditioned on certain mm-hmm. uh, conditions. So you have to then say, within mergers and acquisitions, which we think quite about a lot about, uh, which of the deals are the FTC... Uh, responsible for looking at as opposed to the Department of Justice. And within those deals, most of them 
raised no antitrust issues whatsoever. What are the deals where there are serious competition issues, especially in healthcare? Mm-hmm. And I have an answer to that, but that's the... No, kind of, go ahead. Uh, I was about to ask you that. That's go ahead. Uh, the kind of category, and other people might have other examples. One I would bring to the table is Walgreens, Walgreens Boots Alliance, uh, buying Rite Aid, ticker RAD. Uh, the deal price is $9 per share. The spread is eighty-two cents. I didn't look at this right on the close. Commenters love to correct yeah. me, so, so they might. So let's just say it's that. trading at eight dollars and twenty cents. The deal is for nine dollars. Yep. Eighty cents spread, almost ten percent, and it's supposed to close within about six months. So yeah, great annual twenty percent yep. IRR if it closes by the fourth quarter. Uh, and uh, let me just—I can lay out what the problem is and potentially a solution, and potentially that solution yep. is. Um, is improved as a possibility with Julie's retirement. Um, and I hope it's a wonderful retirement, but it'll be wonderful for Rite Aid that she's gone. So uh, there are complainers. There are witnesses for a trial. Independent pharmacist associations and large retail pharmacy chains would happily uh, show up in court uh, when asked to help block this deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a key overlap within these pharmacies for PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, uh, where there's a big overlap between these two companies. Rite Aid owns Envision RX parent of five separate PBMs, a Walgreens uh, is partnered with OptumRx as well. So there's a big issue. There's a big competition issue. Um, staff is going to want to uh, get a fix. They would sue if they didn't get it. Uh, and uh, the merger agreement requires that the buyers willing to sell a thousand uh, locations across the country. Mm-hmm. There are theories that it would be as little as about that number. It might be as much as 150 above that if the staff asked for a clean sweep of all of these issues. Um, it's doable with drama, but there'll be a lot less drama without Julie there. Um, and so that's that's one of the cases that will be really effective. So let me just back it up and sure. summarize a little bit. So Walgreens and Rite Aid are merging. Yes. They're trying to merge. Uh, there are some issues with buying drugs and everything from the PBMs. But yep. the biggest issue is most likely I have a Walgreens on one corner. You have a Rite Aid on another corner. If this is a two-pharmacy town, all of a sudden it's gone to one pharmacy. That's a huge issue. If this is a three-pharmacy town, there was a CVS across the street. That's potentially an issue that it went from three to two. Mm-hmm. So Walgreens has agreed, we'll divest some stores. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't want to divest all of their three to two stores, which is why there's a cap. But all the two to one stores, they pretty much knew they were going to have to mm-hmm. divest. Even with that, the FTC might have a problem. Yep. But because this commissioner, who is retiring, who's historically been against healthcare consolidation, has retired, the FTC, if they have any issues, are most likely to end up 2-2, which would allow this deal to go through free and clear with no conditions. So her retirement, small news story to kind of mainstream media, mm-hmm. but in the case of this and a couple of other healthcare deals, it's a huge deal as it just made their likelihood to go through much more likely. Exactly. You said it better than I did. By Halloween, one of my favorite holidays, uh, you can make 80 cents or so. Yep. Uh, the government's going to clear it. In fact, uh, a little scoop, my guess is the number of divestitures is going to be a small fraction of the cap of the merger agreement. Uh, it's probably a bad case to bring on antitrust grounds. The PBMs, the big three PBMs, would like the FTC to look elsewhere on pricing issues. Uh, Rite Aid is struggling, and uh, they're going to get this deal done. I'm just going to add one more 
more thing to it because we thought it was interesting. In the merger agreement, you could clearly see spelled out that Rite Aid was worried Walgreens would go buy Express Scripts and drop their deal for uh, Rite Aid. And yeah. Rite Aid had carved out a bigger break fee that said, Walgreens, if you do that, you owe us, uh, I think it was 50% more for leaving us in that case. Mm-hmm. And the chances of that, that was one of our big concerns, actually. The chances of that seem to go- have gone down markedly just based on how Express Scripts is performing, and I believe the Walgreens deal with Optum, it seems very unlikely that will happen. So At this point, it won't Yeah, happen. so between the FTC commissioner and the fact that Express Scripts is, isn't going to happen, it seems more likely than not this deal goes through. The spread seems a little bit too big based on our knowledge, and we think it's an interesting opportunity. Anything else? I have nothing to add. Nothing to add. All right, well, that's all the time we have today. Again, if you like this podcast, please follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you already follow us, please rate us. Chris, we're going to do disclosures in a second, but do you think when people hear us talking about an FTC retirement, this is going to they're going to think this is the most boring podcast we've ever done? Not to me. <laughs> not to you, but I think some people might. Uh, disclosures. I am not long anything we've talked about. I think you're long Rite Aid. Are you long bit. CBS or Viacom or anything else? No. Okay, so Chris is long Rite Aid, and that's it. We will talk to you guys next week.